It's me, DJ Envy, with the word of the day. Subscribe. That's it. That's the word. The Alive Podcast Network is global streaming platform that curates the best black creative content in one spot. Just for you, tap in today for $5 in iOS, Android, and AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Finally, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Welcome to the Positive Deposit Podcast, where we transform minds to change lives. I am your host, Presley Nelson Jr., two-time cancer survivor and proud president of Positive Deposits. But I have such a special guest tonight, man. Um, you know, she just learning more about her is just it's just amazing how um, one, she's a, a black woman, so you already know black women are doing great things. But number two, she's a survivor. She is a superhero. And um, I have tonight for you guys, Jasmine Sowers. Sowers, yep. Oh, okay. I got it right the first time. Awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Not too much because we're going to get into that and um, we'll get this thing started. Well, um, keep it short and sweet. I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 26. I turned 30 at the end of 2020. Um, I took that experience as a second chance and decided to turn pain into purpose. And that's what I'm doing now I'm in the pursuit of a purpose-driven life. Hey, purpose-driven, not like the book, but your own story and your own driven life. So let's talk about it. When were you diagnosed? What was going on? Um, you know, what was happening at that time? So I was actually misdiagnosed first. It was, oh. it, it was interesting. So um, breast cancer runs in my family, but I didn't okay. test positive for the gene. My grandmother is a two-time breast cancer survivor. Yeah. Um, her sisters have had breast cancer. We lost a cousin in her 40s to breast cancer. Wow. Um, and I remember for my 25th birthday, I decided that I was going to do my first breast cancer walk in honor of my grandmother and her sisters and my cousin. And the shirt that I wore said, screw the tata, save the woman. Within, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Within a few months. Mm. I was having um, nipple discharge and I didn't have any kids. I was just going to say, were you pregnant? No, (laughs) no, Okay. I was not. (laughs) Um, I had um, one breast that was really painful um, Mm -hmm. and it was swollen and I was wearing one of those like ribbed t-shirts. And um, I was standing in front of the mirror and because the lines are horizontal, you could like clearly see like one side is swollen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I go to, I, t- I call my mom and I'm like, yo, I think something's wrong. Mm. Um, let's go to the hospital. Right, right. The hospital, they turned me away. They said that, you know, what? they said that I didn't have any typical symptoms of breast cancer. Okay. They don't do those kind of screenings in the ER. Go to your primary care doctor. Yeah. Go to my primary care doctor. Um, we do a mammogram and an ultrasound and I cleared both. Um, wow. so, you know, they, they send you this little follow-up paper afterwards and I'll say like more screening may be necessary, but I'm 25. Um, Milestone. the only screening Milestone. that I, yeah, I know, right. Talk about a quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm 25. Um, the only kind of screenings I know about are mammogram and ultrasound. And yeah. that's what we did. So right. it's like, um, they said, maybe it's an infection. I didn't take any antibiotics because I mean, like I didn't have any other signs of an infection. Like I didn't have a fever, nothing was warm. So in my mind, I figured that if cancer was the worst thing it could be, and you're telling me it's not cancer, let's keep moving. Maybe it'll clear up. Right, right. Um, unfortunately, it did not clear up. And um, over maybe six, seven months, it just started to get worse. So oh, wow. I was married at this time. Um, you said married? I was married. I was, okay. Okay. I was married. Um, I was probably two years into my marriage then. Okay. Um, and this was the conversation in about October of that year, right around my 26th birthday, is when I went in to see my OBGYN and we're talking about family planning. Yeah. And in that conversation, I was like, but I need you to like, before we go down this road, I need you to check out this boob. And that's what really started like months, like three more months of screenings and rounds. Wow. And um, I thank God for my OBGYN because she sent me to a breast surgeon Okay. And that doctor was not, um, she didn't settle on an inconclusive result. Like it's not yeah. enough that, that the mammogram is clear if we still don't know why you're having this problem. Right. And so we ended up doing a breast MRI and almost the whole breast lit up. Um, wow. So, um, so I how, what, wait, so with that, like when they said nothing and then all of a sudden it's like, what was, what was that first reaction? What was that thought? Man, you know, I think like the second time going around, it was like, we're going to do the, the mammogram again, but I didn't like, it was, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what to ask for. So the second time I did a different kind of mammogram, I'm like, I didn't know that there was a different kind of mammogram. Right. Um, and I think as we started doing more screenings, my mom started like, she was, I think we all kind of started getting a little nervous. It's like, yeah. they're looking for something now. Like, mm -hmm. At first, it's like, we're trying to rule it out. And then the second round, it was like, oh, no, we're, we're trying to find something. Right. And the day that we went in and saw the breast MRI and they showed like the breast almost entirely lit up. Mm. That was the first day that the breast surgeon looked concerned. And that was the first time that I gotten that was scared because wow. then it was like, if she's worried now, like need to be worried she's been pretty positive this whole time yeah you go from talking about raising creating a family right procreating to the screen lighting up and like whoa and i mean the whole time everyone just kept saying like you're too young you're too young you're too young yeah um and so you know it was crazy the week that i was supposed to go in for my biopsy is first of all my biopsy was a nightmare um, the, it was, the yours was a nightmare. How's it? Whoa, wait, how's it a nightmare? I, I just want to know because my biopsy, I was counting backwards from a hundred and then I woke up and I was like, all right, cool. You know, like what kind of cancer did you have? So I, I got diagnosed twice. Right. So I had large B cell lymphoma the first time oh. stage one. And then five years later, after that's supposed to be the remission period and you're cancer free, then I was diagnosed, uh, with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, I definitely want you to check out my story, but we'll talk offline, but it's uh, definitely one of those where it was, it, that was, it was one of those misdiagnoses. It's like, oh, there's nothing there. And then, you know, so the biopsy, the first biopsy was, um, it was right there on my chest because the, the mass was right there. 
The second one though, now I'll tell you, take that back what I just said. The second one they had to go through to, to, to catch in my liver. So that one was the most painful because the liver is all in here, right? So you were awake? Huh? You were awake? Oh, nah. But afterwards, it was painful. But that healing, because they had to go in where it's just a straight, you know, shot. So yeah, that was my biopsy experience. So for you, it how, was it just painful or you just you were still awake or so I was awake and it was what? wow so it was like traumatic to be awake <laughs> and so that's like some movie type of stuff <laughs> like uh you're operating on me uh and it hurts but i can't do anything but so you know i was numb but what was happening is that some of my milk ducts they for whatever reason they were so tough oh. um so like the lady that's trying to do the biopsy is pregnant and like she legit has someone on the other side she's like i can't get inside the milk duck um so one person is on one side of me and they're like pushing my breast into the needle and then the lady is doing the needle on the other side so like i can't feel it then um but they were have there was a lot of commentary and the commentary was making me nervous they're like oh my gosh these are so swollen and just like, oh, this doesn't make me feel any, like, I don't think you're supposed to have that much conversation while they're doing it. I don't think so either. They, <laughs> they did a little bit much for that. Cause that, that sounds like real dramatic, overly dramatic. And you're like, I'm the patient. I have to deal with this. I'm thinking about this. Now I have to think about it. Like it's, that's, yeah. So then um, when they finally get a good spot for the biopsy, they take the needle out and I just start bleeding. Mm. And the lady's pregnant. She's holding over me and she's trying to put a compression on the spot. And then she gets tired. And they act- <laughs> like, what? what is happening? That's unreal, <laughs> yo. That is. <laughs> and then like afterwards, you know, the pain afterwards was crazy. Like I remember like rocking back and forth. My chest hurt so hard, uh, hurt so bad. I and this is all the biopsy. This is just, this the, biopsy. just the biopsy. Um, wow. I was really bruised from the biopsy. Um, but that week we're waiting for the results because um, it was right before the holidays. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for the results and I wake up one morning and I just started singing it as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, it's cancer, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. but I felt like if that was the message God was giving me, then that meant whatever happened, it's cool. It is well. And I'm and- glad that you took that perspective. I mean, Um, I think sometimes when we get that news, it's the why me, right? It's why me, but I'm glad that you took that because God is going to, can bring you out of anything, you know, the, like, as long as your mental is, is good, then you, and you focus on God, all the rest is just a blur, right? It's just a journey and through the process and the storm, right? And, you know, interestingly enough, I don't think I don't ever remember asking why me. When we went in for that, for the news, um, you know, I didn't tell my mom that I had the feeling that it was cancer. I just kind of kept it to myself. But I kept telling her that, you know, we have to prepare like for anything. We need to prepare for whatever the news is, okay? Um, and then my mom kept saying, oh, you're being so negative. So I like <laughs> talked to my out of my piece and I said, I'm being negative. It's not cancer. And um, mm. when I, we walked into that office, we were making jokes. We were laughing yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's not cancer. You're too young. But when the doctor kind of peeked her head into the room and they reached that nervous face mm-hmm. again, I'm like, ah, oh, 
Here we then go. She came in and she put her hand on my knee and then she goes, so we did find cancerous cells. And then after that, it was like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. wah, like, wah, I, don't wah. Remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Like I can, like thinking back, I can remember watching her like try to draw stuff to show me like this yeah. is what they did. Nothing. I literally looked around the room and I asked, who is she talking to? Yeah. I was in such shock. And I remember looking at my mom's face because I'm like, I thought it wasn't cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no, I, I think my mom's face was probably like my husband was there. Yeah. Um, but I got actually got divorced. I got divorced last year. Okay. Um, I think cancer is one of those things that'll either bring you together or like it'll magnify the cracks or it'll be the glue. Um, and that, that, yeah, it's a it's a cancer can is an eye opener. It broke some stuff down, but I've been like, look at here. I've been so blessed, like tenfold since I left that situation. Um, But yeah, it didn't work. And he really checked out after I was diagnosed, you know? Yeah, that, 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 I don't, it's, um, why do you think he checked out? Um, you know, I don't, I mean, one thing that I realized as like in our last year of marriage is how much I didn't know about him. Mm. How I never, he never really wanted to talk about what he thought or how he felt. And um, I think it was one of those situations. Um, it was things like I come home one day and I said, they want to take one breast. And he was like, okay. And he, he didn't ask how I felt. <laughs> like, do you have questions? None of that. How is it, how is it important? And I, it's, I'm so glad you said that. How, how important is it for our, our significant others or people to kind of just check in with us? It's so important. It's so important. Um, you know, I think there's mixed signals uh, of what co-survivorship should look like. Mm. Um, I think... I totally get this idea that, well, for some of us, I explained it this way. When I went through treatment, um, it was like my life, everyone else's life got put on pause. Yeah. And then after I finished active treatment, they could press play and just pick back up. Like no one has to take her to appointments and that's it. But I couldn't press play anymore. I was on a whole different tape now. Like it's different. I'm different. I can't, there is no going back to who I was. I can't do that. Um, and so I tried therapy, like as soon as I was diagnosed, I said, let's yeah. go to therapy. But even in therapy, he was just not willing to discuss his feelings or his thoughts or anything. And it was very isolating. Um, because yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were times where he wasn't even physically present, but when you are physically present and emotionally absent, it's still lonely. It's still it's a lot very to go lonely. through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, um, that you, you you sound great though you know oh, doing awesome. yeah no I can tell and you know I, I um I I relate to you because even um when I so check this out you know when I got diagnosed the second time that was two months into the marriage <laughs> oh. so got legally married two months into it and so I not saying I checked out, but I was in survival mode again. And, and that's hard for someone, one, newly married, right? 
but to turn on that for sickness or and health, death do us part, to turn it on because now you're so excited about being a wife and things of that nature. And then you're like, dang, I'm a caregiver. Yeah. That's heavy, right? That's, 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 I mean, and so, but as I was trying to survive, I, it's something that, you know, you just gotta be in the moment with, with you, me, right? And so I say that all that to say is that like, um, for those people that are with significant others and don't know what to do, just check in, you know, check in and, and express how you feel and how you're feeling because it only helps us understand where you're, where you're at rather than, oh no, I'm okay, right? You're not okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no one here is okay. Nobody. I mean, we're not okay because we're going through it. But I know that you're not okay. But exactly, it's, it's it's like it's okay to be vulnerable because it's the connection piece. At least us as that's going through it can you know empathize, right? And so, so that's that. So I saw that twenty five pounds of radiation therapy. Twenty five rounds. Yeah. Twenty five um, rounds. Wow. I did so, proton therapy. And that was the only type, the proton, that was the only type of treatment that could help your diagnosis. So man, fun times. So <laughs> after my pathology came back, I had a good couple of weeks where I was getting calls almost every other day with doctors saying, you need chemo. No, you don't. You need chemo. No, you don't. So what happened is once I did my bilateral mastectomy, okay. because so much of the breast was affected, I what, used to be really top heavy. For those that don't know, what is that? A bilateral mastectomy is having both all the breast tissue removed. So both of my breasts um, were removed um, and nipples. So I just kept the skin and I did breast implants. Okay. Um, and the process, I mean, man, the process, reconstruction, it, I did, um, they're called tissue expanders. Yeah. They're basically like um, little balloons. They put, mine were under the muscle. Um, they lift up the muscle, they, they build a pocket and over, um, a few months, they slowly fill up the balloons, but every time, because it's under muscle, it would trigger muscle spasms in my Ooh. chest. And it was a painful process. Um, um, but yeah, so I did the bilateral mastectomy, had both breasts removed because I was top heavy and I knew that they weren't going to be able to match the size of the other breast and so yeah. much one breast was affected that I it, there was no saving it like it had to right go. right um they look at the pathology and they see multiple tumors across nine centimeters some invasive oh. some non-invasive um but the largest tumor was only one centimeter so they were having this back and forth like do we do we do stage one because the largest tumor is one centimeter right. or do we Age three because it's nine centimeters or right. two. So um yeah, that was that was fun. So I remember the first oncologist. I'm such a big uh advocate for self-advocacy. The first oncologist was withholding information. She just said, You don't need chemo. And then I said, Well, tell me why these other doctors said that I did. Yeah. And she goes, Well, you can do chemo if you want. That was my last appointment with her. <laughs> You could do chemo if you want. That's crazy. <laughs> so um, I went and got a second opinion and I asked that person. I'm glad you did get a second me. opinion. It's always yeah. good to get a second opinion. Yes. Um, and I said, explain to me why these people are saying that I, I need chemo. And she explained to me both. And then yeah. she explained to me her recommendation. So I opted out of chemo 
Um, and I did radiation, I did the bilateral mastectomy. And because I was hormone receptive, um, I'm on hormone therapy for five to 10 years. So I'm in like maybe- so you're currently on treatment, the, the, the therapy right now? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have a couple more years to go. Okay. okay. So, for the five year mark. Okay, okay. Um, so what are the side effects of proton radiation therapy? what it's like going through that process. What, yeah, what are some of the side effects? Like this. So proton therapy is better for the organs, but it's a little harsher on like this, on the skin. So, um, you know, one of the things that I talked to them about was that the materials weren't really written for women with melanin. They talked mm. about how you're going to turn red and this is, you're going to swell and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I turned charcoal black. Um, I like, lost black is my, t my sweater. Wow. Um, and I'm probably, I think my outline is still there. And that I did that little. about, yeah, yeah. I did that about three years ago, four years wow. ago. Wow. Um, um, charcoal black. I lost the top layer of my skin. Um, and I told them today, so I talk about skin breaks and I'm like, I don't know what a skin break is, but like, it started with a little opening, like a little cut. Yeah. up under um, my breast. And the next thing you know, like the whole thing was like lifting up. Um, and wow. I remember um, I was standing in the bathroom one day and um, I was trying to dress because it starts to burn. It yeah. doesn't burn during the treatment, but yeah. essentially it's burning the skin. Wow. And so um, I'm trying to like dress the burns and the skin is just falling off. And I just started crying. I was like, I feel like a zombie. Like it was surreal. That's um, crazy. so, um, there's the discoloration, there's this tiredness. That's like nothing I've ever experienced. Mm. I mean, I'm up at nine o'clock. I'm in that by 11, like it's 11 PM or AM AM I'm up wow. at 9 AM, 11 AM. I'm like, I need a nap. So it's, did you work during treatment or did you kind of just take time off? Like so I tried to go back to work after my bilateral mastectomy. The thing is, I also had some lymph nodes removed. And um, after the surgery, I lost the mobility in my arms, a lot of mobility. So I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't wash myself. I couldn't wow. use the bathroom by myself. I couldn't do any of those things by myself. Um, and so I Who stayed with you. So initially, like I stayed with my mom for those first okay. few weeks. Um, and then she felt like maybe my cousin felt out of place. So she's like, I'm going to let him do it. Um, and then this really weird thing started happening. I get back home where I was like, me, like having to depend on him. Uh -huh. And, um, he was trying to, um, and this might, may not have been intentionally, but it was what was happening. I think he I'm a very independent woman. I've kind of always been that way. And this was a situation where I was dependent on him. And I think to an extent he liked that. So oh. there was some weird um, slowing down of my progression. Like, look, I don't need you helping me. Like, I want to try to put it on myself. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. So with him doing it and like fighting me on trying to like, yeah. To push through therapy and stuff it got a little weird um and so that was a weird dynamic that we had to <laughs> but um mostly it was my mom that okay. 
was my primary caregiver through a lot of that. Now, um, obviously you had your mom. What about your other friends? Like, you know, what was your support system outside of your mom and your husband? Um, my, my dad was there. I was like, my dad, um, he felt like his part was to make sure I made it to radiation every day. Um, did we get there in five minutes when it should have taken 20? Yes. He got me there though. Hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> your daddy's girl, aren't you? I do. I love my dad. I love my dad. Um, uh, so I have, so I, I don't call him my stepdad. I just call my, both my dad, but my stepdad, that was his role. He made sure I got to radiation every day. Yeah. Um, my biological dad, he set aside money because I didn't, I, I had went to work. They were stressing me out. My body was adjusting to these medicines. I was yeah. sick. I was tired. And I was like, we're not going to do this. Right. I just stay out until like, I'm good. And when I'm good, I'll come back. Um, yeah. And then I was getting like these off-putting comments. Um, like people, maybe you should just work at home. People were asking questions. They say, you don't look like you feel good. And I'm like, yo, I'm tired. I don't know I'm tired. I'm do. going through treatment. I have cancer. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Right. So yeah, I just took off. Um, I, I did disability until I finished treatment. Um, and I did have my mom organized um, a couple of days before my bilateral mastectomy. She put together a bye-bye boobies party. Um, bye-bye boobies. Yes. Um, she had some of my closest friends and family and either like some of my favorite teachers. They sent in videos. Oh, wow. and um, she put it together in two weeks. My mom is amazing. She's um, a beast. Shout um, yeah. out to mom. Shout out to mom Duke. For yeah. Look, I'm really like, my mom is like my best friend. Um, and so, yeah, she put that together within a couple of weeks. And so I got sent off with, with prayer and with good energy and, and not, Amen. you know what I mean? With not like, we're going to get through this. Um, my aunt and my uncle, her brother, and her sister-in-law, they came down and they stayed with us for a couple of weeks so that they could support my mom. And I wow. think that was important too, because- Caregivers need a break too. They do. They need help too. They need, somebody needs to check in with them to make sure they're doing okay. Um, and so that was a huge, like forever grateful for them um, for that. And then I did have a best friend at the time. Um, and unfortunately, I, cancer was one of those things that broke that friendship up um no it's 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 unfortunate that it does that but i mean it's it's not on purpose you know you know it's not on purpose but you know what it is is that i went into that surgery that that bilateral was my first major surgery yeah and i was like do we you want to talk about weird movie type stuff yeah. They're rolling you into the operating room and you have to lay yourself on the operating table. And so you're looking wait, wait, up wait, wait, at wait, wait. The, they don't pick you up. You you have to do it yourself. I had to scoot myself onto the operating room. What, what hospital room. is this? So I do not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you gotta pick me up. Like what are, I'm scooting over, like what what are we doing? They have to scoot you up. You have to scoot, and then you're laying down, and it, it's like um in the movies when you look up and it's all the bright lights. That yeah. was like the most eerie thing ever. Wow. Because it a... felt like like I was offering myself up. It was just yeah. a really weird and they only did that for my bilateral mastectomy. They didn't do that for like the other surgeries that I had. So I don't know what that was about. But yeah. um, I remember going in there and being terrified. And I just kept thinking to myself, if I die today, is that it? How am I going to explain to God why I didn't do all the stuff I was supposed to do? 
Like I was legit trying to think of like excuses. And if the only thing that I could come up with is I was afraid. <laughs> but you're going to look at you like you were afraid. I had your back. The best you got? That's, a, that's the best you got? Uh, I may let you into heaven. No, but. I... <laughs> so like, really? So when I woke up to me, that felt like game on. Like. I was I about had... to ask you what's. Because you you are see you just I just you just the alley you I'm like so now that that was that motivation let's talk about the the great things you've been doing the great thing that that pain pain the purpose yes so I basically like I like I said after my mastectomy I was um I didn't have a lot of mobility in my arms but as soon as I could start writing again every idea that God put in me I was making notes. I'm making plans because yeah. my thing is I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. You know, some people go through trauma and they like, they go crazy. Other people go through trauma and they come out perfectionist. And so I've, I've been a perfectionist since I was a child. And the bad side of that is that it'll make you afraid to try because you'll be afraid to fail. If to you fail. Right. Or you can't but do I don't perfect. know if that's you because I see in the background, you got hustle. Um, I'm, a, I'm working on my perfectionism. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Working on it. Um, <laughs> but but now the thing is, like, I just trust God so much with the, the visions that he gives me. Amen. I'm not so afraid to fail. And even if I am afraid, I do it afraid. Um, and so I had all these ideas. The first thing I did was I created an Etsy shop. Um, and I started- is that hard to do? I see a lot of people have those. No, it was not hard to do. Okay, okay. Um, and you know what, like, no, it wasn't hard to do. I created the Etsy shop and then I started selling stuff and I'm like, hmm. okay, we can do this. Yeah. And then I was, what like, did you sell? Like t-shirts? Did you sell like gift cards? Like, I did t-shirts. Um, I did t-shirts. I did like phone cases, like whatever made me feel good or made me feel happy. I kind of created it and I created nice. it for other women that were going through cancer. Cause I'm like, it's when you're young in the cancer community and you're black in the cancer community, like you're two times an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> like the much. stuff is, really isn't pretty created much. for us. No, so I, I wanted to create stuff that I wanted to wear. Yeah. Um, that's what I started doing. Then I started sending care packages. I sent some as far as like to Africa and to wow. Spain. And, um, and then I put that on hold. Um, and in 2019, I met um, my business partner. Now her name is Marissa, and um, shout out to Marissa. Yep. Yeah, we met at the Young Survival Coalition conference. It's a conference for young women with breast well, young people now with breast cancer, but back then it was just for young women with breast cancer. And um, for one, it was again this odd experience. Like you're looking at all of these experiences where for one having a bilateral mastectomy you can't google black women with bilateral mastectomies like never can <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> you can't and so it was like I remember going through that experience and thinking to myself who has the bad doctor do I have the bad doctor are they asking me to do something that they're not telling other black women to do right. or other black women not in the opportunity like I'm trying to figure out what's going on um and you get to the summit and you kind of feel the same way. Like we took a picture with the black women that were there and there were enough of us to like, you could see, um, it was pretty close up, but it's like a head to toe photo and all of us can fit in that frame. Oh wow! Um, 
And so you, again, you kind of get that experience like, well, geez, where are we at? Um, yeah. And then while we were there, we kind of learned about the health disparities. And I remember standing up in that room being like, yo, if we need to create something, I will do it, but it's going to take everyone to support it. And I like, I had no idea what was getting ready to come afterwards. Right. Like I meant what I was saying, <laughs> but I had no idea what God was about to do. So I met Marissa in March. By May, we launched For the Breast Device, um, which is the, the first love inclusive it. I love community. it. I love it. I'm giving you your flowers. Yeah. For the Thank Breast Device is dope, man. Y'all doing some amazing things. We gonna have to collab on some things for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So how uh, long has it been running? How long has it been? For, since 2019. For We've grown so much. We got like 6,000 Instagram followers. There's almost a thousand women in our, our private Facebook group. Wow. Um, that we are working on some incredible partnerships to increase the access to resources for women of color. Amen. Um, and it's, it's taken off so fast. It's, it's one that I keep telling people, there's nothing that I've done apart from God. It's something that I will do apart from God. And I keep telling some of these ideas that we do, these moves we make, they are God's ideas. Like they're not of me. And I'm very That's aware of that. Um, so I'm just excited to see what comes next for us. Wow. That's, that's amazing, man. Um, and I, I'm just glad that you didn't allow cancer to be your cancer. You know what I mean? Like you, you found the canon cancer and, um, that's, a, that's amazing. You had the support you, um, you know, you found your, now your, your partner and, you know, your nonprofit, um, and what turned into, you know, like bad news at the end of it, you're blessed. Look at the energy that you have right now. You are something magical. Yep. I'm calling it right behind you. No, you're welcome. You are. So outside. So um, with the nonprofit, right. Um, what, what are some of the things that you offer, you know, with the nonprofit, you said resources. So yeah, we, it's, let's, let's talk about for a breast of us. Yeah. What, what do y'all offer? So we're actually an LLC. We had the idea of like, I don't know if you ever heard of like, I had cancer.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to create like an, I had cancer.com for women of color. Um, and so we started out like primarily creating a space where we could just share like a blog site, sharing stories and yeah. um, resources. And then we kind of realized like, oh, they're really listening to what we have to say. Yeah. Um, and if they're listening to what we have to say, we need to be saying something meaningful. So wow, okay. then we started to create webinars, um, shared decision making. How do you navigating clinical trials? Asking questions wow. on reconstruction. Um, we do a monthly chat. Baddies talk back. We touch on the real stuff, the stuff that everyone else in mainstream may not feel comfortable talking about. We're talking about dating, sex, grief. We we touch on it all. And in in I can imagine that it's that this is great because. After going through reconstruction, you may not have no tatas, things of that nature. How do you navigate the love life? How do you feel exactly. sexy? You know, all that. Like, I'm sure, and that's so that reinforcement is amazing. And, and, you know, um, we just had our first sex and wellness webinar a couple weeks ago. I was so proud of it. The kind of emails and comments that we received from women were just incredible. Women were so appreciative of yeah. the 
appreciation of the space that felt like you're talking to your girlfriends and um, you've got experts and you can ask questions. And, um, you know, I told someone, I said, we didn't, your doctors don't really talk to you about how your medications will affect yeah. your quality of life. And I think those first conversations I had were in the hot tub at the YSD summit. And I'm like, oh, you haven't like, that's a problem. Okay. Then teach me. <laughs> but other than that, like it was, it's a really hush, hush thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Tiptoeing. So, Everybody wants to tiptoe around it. So to be in a space where you're empowered with information and know that like how to navigate dating or how other women are navigate dating or how to yeah. navigate sex and all those things, it is such an empowering space. Um, and so that's what we do. We just want, we've redesigned our mission after our first year. And we said, what we want to do is we want to help women make the rest of their lives the best of their lives. That's it. And, and so what can amazing. we do to fill that gap? Yeah. So no, that's amazing. And I'm glad that you, I'm, you know, I'm following y'all. So I'm watching what y'all doing it. And we're definitely going to make sure some things happen between both of our nonprofits um, because, um, you know, that's what we're here for. So we come to that place where I need three positive deposits from you, whether it's for breast cancer survivors, breast cancer patients, or just people, women that are, you know, dealing with cancer. Just need your top three that come to mind from, from God, right? Um, the first one is it as well. Mm. Um, the second one is possibilities over probabilities. Ooh. Um, and then the last one, I had it and I lost it. No playing small. Mm. On. Like we, we, when it's done, it's done. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, don't let the light go out and you haven't left nothing behind. Wow, that's powerful. Well, you heard it, you heard it. It is well. What was the second one? Oh, what was the Possibilities Possib over probabilities. Possibilities over probability. And what was the third one? No more playing small. No more playing small. You heard it loud and clear. Those are powerful statements. I like the simplicity of them. They, they hit heavy. They hit heavy. So um, if folks want to follow you, get in touch with you, talk to you about anything when it comes to breast cancer, survival, being sexy while, you know, after, you know, survivorship, like, where can we find you? Well, first, I will plug For the Breast of Us. We were at For the Breast of Us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, on Twitter, we are The Breast of Us. Our website is breastofus.com. And then me personally, I have two profiles. One is a little bit more of my personal life. It's okay. at BraveBeauty26. And then the one that I started just for my breast cancer baddies, it is at Jazzy the Baddie, B-A-D-D-I-E. Jazzy the baddies. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, you, you, this is where you can find Jasmine for the rest of us. Please follow. They got a lot of amazing things that's going on and it's a safe space. It's a very it safe is. space. It's a beautiful space. There's no place like it, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you, as you guys want to share this with everyone, this, this episode is on all your streaming platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Spotify, plus the YouTube channel. Please go and subscribe to our Positive Deposit YouTube channel. Um, and you can get everything through our website, www.positivedeposits.org, where we continue to transform minds and change lives. And plus, 
On top of that, we both have nonprofits. Please donate. We cannot do this without your support. So I will say for the rest of us donate and positive deposits donate. So with that being said, thank you so much for Jasmine for being on the show. And um, we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me.